Well, hello and welcome to the Edgewood 4G podcast. My name is Kyle Parks. I'm here with Pastor Brian Bill, and we're excited to be here with another episode. And this week we're talking about truth. But Brian, before we get into this deep conversation, Hmm. we need to know the truth. Is the Kurder Burger worth anyone's time? It is worth all your time. <laughs> it is absurd, absurdly delicious. Okay. Yes, it is. How long is it going to be available at Culver's? Through the month of October, so don't wait. Okay. No procrastination. There you go. I had a second chance Kurder Burger. I waited too long last year. <laughs> oh my goodness, good deal. Well, today we're going to be talking about truth and recapping some of Brian's sermon, The Timelessness of Truth. And Brian, how about we kick it off with a question? Yeah. First off, um, what? how do we know what truth is uh, to start? So what is truth? But then also kind of the follow-up to that, um, why do people not live by the truth? Why are people um, even open to just living by how they feel yeah. today? Um, I, I lead a growth group on Wednesday nights, and we we're talking about that very thing last night. And somebody said people people don't know and they don't care, mm. which is interesting. So mm. some of the, some of that's apathetic. Uh, I think another thing is people want to do what they want to do, yeah. and that people often today think with their feelings, right? And so they just go with with that. I, we define truth as that which corresponds to reality, or to mm-hmm. say this: truth is reality. Yeah. Um, it refers to what's factual. That's that which is always there, right? In the Greek, it means to unhide or hiding mm. nothing. You're, yeah. This is the truth. You can't make it go away. You can evade it, but you can't make it evaporate. It's yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And as believers, we are called to be people of the truth. We yeah. believe Jesus is the author of truth. I was talking about this in a Bible study just last night. And as followers of Jesus, who is the truth, we should be very quick to tell the truth mm-hmm. and to share truth with others. And, you know, we we put lying down there kind of on the list of sins. It's maybe not so bad, but when you think of it's mm. going against the truth, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's not being uh, true to who God is and who he made us to be. So we're people of the truth mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking related to that, to that question Pilate asked, mm-hmm. like, what is truth? And we don't really know what his motives were in asking that. Was right. he, was it rhetorical? Was he interested? Whatever. But we do know that there was, there's always a cost to truth. Mm-hmm. So there's a cost when we tell the truth, right? Think of your, your kids when you're disciplining them. I remember uh, our girls, hey, what did you do? They didn't want to say it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to say what's true. Mm-hmm. But it's only through saying the truth that we ultimately find freedom because truth ultimately is Jesus, and Jesus came to bring freedom for those of us who are in bondage to sin. And the, the Bible says those who are in the practice of sinning are in bondage to sin. And Jesus, who is the truth, he's the way and the truth and the life, uh, he came to set us free. Yeah, yeah. And that's based on that scripture passage from John 8, where you were, mm-hmm. and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And his audience at the time, they were thinking about being you know, in bondage and slavery and that type of thing. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And 
Jesus was going deeper. No, we're in bondage to our sin. And that's the truth that he was sharing. And then we must all be saved because of the sin in our lives. And that is the truth that we need to know in order to be set free. Yeah. So that we can have a real and right relationship uh, with God. And so Jesus shared that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, He shared with his disciples and um, the Last Supper. uh, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Mm. He prayed and said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so Mm. uh, John, especially um, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, spoke about truth a lot. A lot. You read John and first, second, third John as well. There's truth is all over it. And so it's just so good for us to be reminded of that scripture is full of truth, but it uses the word truth because it matters. Yeah. It matters to our everyday lives. And well, and to go back to that passage, Kyle, where a pilot says, what is truth? If you back up a verse or two, uh, so Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world. That should get our attention, because mm-hmm. Jesus is now saying, this is why I came. This is the purpose of why I'm here. Yeah to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then that's the context when Pilate said, what is truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And uh, so let's talk about some some truths uh, of Scripture. How do we know that Scripture is true? <clears throat> what evidences uh, are there? Um, there's a lot of things today in this day and age that are being questioned when it comes to the Christian faith, and you know what I've been sharing with some of the groups I've been leading is, it seems like in the culture today, and I don't know if you have the same experience, but it seems like in the culture today that um, people on the outside looking in have a very surface level understanding of Christianity. Mm-hmm. When they think of Christianity, they think of conservative politics. They think of you know people who are holier than thou mm-hmm. kind of. Oh, Christians are just hypocrites. <laughs> they think of the negative uh, attention from, you know, pastors and priests and different people who fall from, you know, their yeah. their standing because falling into sin. So I get that, right? Because mm-hmm. there is that going on. But it seems like some people that is just their basic understanding. It's just some right. hypocrites who say they believe in God but don't actually live like He exists. Yeah. Um, but if you look deeper into the Christian faith, obviously go beyond that surface level, you'll find that the Christian faith is convincing of who God is, but also why the world is the way it is, uh, how things work and how things are. So what are some of those things that we can hold up as truths from Scripture and what we know to be true because of who God is? that we can help people mm. in their understanding of their pursuit of truth, mm-hmm. especially along the lines of the Christian faith. What were mm-hmm. some things that you would share with people? Well, I this came up in our growth group again last night. Think of these really smart people like Jay Warner Wallace, who was an atheist, and he went to discover, is Christianity true? Mm. Right? Josh McDowell did the same. A lot of atheists, agnostics have done, and they're smarter than me, <laughs> yeah. and they've gone after it looking at all the evidence. And I, Jay Warner Wallace says, I love this quote. He says, I'm not a Christian because it works for me. 
I had a life prior to Christianity that seemed to be working just fine, and my life as a Christian hasn't always been easy. I'm a Christian because it is true. Oh, that's so good. I'm a Christian because I want to live in a way that reflects the truth. That's what you're talking about, reflecting mm-hmm. the truth. I'm a Christian because my high regard for the truth, get this, leaves me no alternative. Yeah. That's good. So I, where I often take people, Kyle, like you do too, is if, if somebody's like skeptical, uh, if we can get them to start reading the Bible, mm-hmm. right? If they can start reading the Gospel of John or the yeah. Gospel of Mark, um, and then to appeal to God as the creator, right? I often talk about the order and design of the universe, the design of DNA and the intricacies of the systems of the human body mm-hmm. to help people see that there is a design yeah. to things. But but ultimately, the the hinge point for Christianity is the resurrection, yeah. right? It's, Absolutely. it's the tomb that was empty. It's the changed lives. It's Jesus appearing. If you count up all the appearances, like 515 people and at one time there are like 500 people who mm-hmm. saw him and they were still alive when the when the accounts were written and there and all the the changed lives the we mentioned this last time the disciples who died as martyrs yep. right something yeah. happened and we know what happened yeah yeah yeah, yeah i'd add to that um just the the elevation of of women um in scripture and that patriarchal society at that time. Uh, Jesus first appeared to women at the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that wouldn't make sense in that society if you were making the story up and trying to make it sound convincing. But uh, it was written that way because that's what actually happened. Jesus yeah. appeared. Yeah. Uh, if we were making it up, we would have done it differently. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so the way he, he treated women, but also uh, appearing to them uh, first, and then you mentioned the disciples themselves. You know, you study Christian history. Again, with these guys, if they had made it up, if they had, um, they were just trying to spread this lie in order to get more followers or whatever, they would have cracked at some point. They, yeah. So one of them would have told the truth. They wouldn't have gone to the ends of the earth and died for their faith and now spreading it um, to the ends of the earth. And, and here we are now, 2,000 years later, and there's people from every racial background, yeah, every yeah, ethnicity yeah. and culture that believe yeah. uh, that the Christian faith is indeed yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, because it, powerful. it reaches across those ethnic and racial uh, boundaries mm-hmm. uh, that other um, religious beliefs, I would say, have trouble crossing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think since we're talking about truth, you know, it's the people say, I have my truth, you have your truth. And and I think sometimes Christians, we don't know how to interact with that. And we can we can go quiet. Something I, I shared this this past weekend, what used to be considered an abomination, which led to lamentation, has now become a celebration demanding participation. But even more than that, affirmation, people want to be affirmed in, in how they're living. What was formerly unthinkable has become unquestionable. Since Christians are often canceled when they tell the truth, many have chosen to cave, compromise, or remain quiet. So 
church, we can no longer be silent. We need to be unshaken in our faith and unashamed of the gospel. It's time for us to be convictional about sin, courageous for our Savior, while being compassionate towards sinners as we witness to the timeless truth of Jesus, who alone can set us free from our sins. And I, I think that's where I, I see a lot of Christians, they're just like, I don't know how to answer. If I answer this, I'm going to be shut down. Or, and so then we go quiet, and then that's when doubts can get in, right? I mean, I think of John 8, where Jesus says Satan's a father of lies, mm-hmm. and he's a murderer from the beginning. There are lies everywhere in our yeah. culture today. Uh, but church, we know the truth. And it's time for us, like Kyle, like you started, to be truth tellers. And part of that is telling the truth about the gospel. Um, and again, coming back to the meta narrative of creation, the truth about the fact that we're all sinners, the truth about Jesus paying the price uh, to buy us back, to redeem us from our sins and his resurrection, and then the restoration that God's going to put everything back into order as we read in the book of Revelation. That, that's what comes to my mind about telling the truth. Not only the truth, is there evidence for Christianity? Absolutely. But also, we need to be truth tellers in yeah. sharing the gospel. Yeah, that's great, Brian. Uh, when I think about truth today and our culture, you know, there's a lot of people, um, like you said earlier, that are just kind of living by their feelings, what um, what seems right to them. You hear often hear people say things like, I feel like this or I feel mm-hmm. like that. But we they know, lead with that phrase, yeah. don't they? Yeah. But we know our feelings often change from day to day. And um, when we're talking to people in the culture today, it, it's so important, I believe, uh, to, to share truth with them, um, but be willing to ask good questions <clears throat> and to encourage them to ask good questions and to, to dive deep into finding answers because when you ask people in this day and age, well, where do you get your truth from? If that's what you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> where Where do you find your truth? Where What's your source of authority? That's a big one today. Where do you get your authority? And most people, I think that might stump them. Well, yeah. I was taught this, or I grew up this, or- My you know, church said this. My church, uh, or, or science says this, you know, yeah. those types of things. But no matter if someone believes the, the Christian faith or not, we as believers, we have something to point to the authority of Scripture. So whether or not someone wants to believe what we're sharing with them or not, we at least have something timeless to, to point to. That's good. And to share with them, this is our authority. Even if you don't like the message we're sharing, we have something that we can, in fact, point to. Kyle, let me ask you a question. Um, first, let me set it up this way. Uh, one of the things I hear our people say often is, thanks for telling the truth. Mm. Uh, you know, about what the Bible says, whether that's sexuality or gender or the exclusivity of Christ or that people without Christ are lost and the necessity of missions. What, whatever we're preaching here and proclaiming from the, in our services or in, in all of our ministries and what you're teaching in Mainspring and in the men's groups and, you, and your growth groups that you lead, um, one of the things I respect about you, Kyle, is you seem to have a lot of discernment. First um, mm. John 4 says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're of God. First Timothy 4 says, the spirit expl- 
expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. 2 Timothy 4 says a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Uh, Share a little bit that would help our listeners. How do you go about discerning all the different voices in the culture, Um, like within the church, the church at large? And also, like, how do you spot error? You you seem to have a, a a radar for that. What are there some practices you follow? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. I think um, having you know good education and worldview training, mm. uh, you know, at the the school I went to was really good at helping us to think through things and how to love God with our minds mm. well. And because that's one of the ones that kind of often gets left out is. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, uh, and strength as well. But, um, you know, we, d- we never turn our brains off. Like, we should never do that. I think when it comes to reading books or watching movies or listening to music and um, w- things we see as maybe entertainment, often people turn their brains off and they just see it as entertainment. But no, like those things... There's messaging in there's there. There's messages. There's worldviews from the, yeah. the authors of those. And so we never turn our brains off. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think uh, some people fall into uh, the idea of like, well, if it's in the culture, it's bad. So let's just stay away from that. Or I want to keep my kids away from that. And I understand there are some things we need to do that yeah, with. Yeah. But also, I think as parents, we look at things together. We watch them together. <laughs> we read them together. And so if there is error there, if there is something there that needs to be addressed, we can pause it. Or at the end, we can have a conversation about it. And work through well. Hey, there was this part of this this one point in this movie or this this song that uh, they kind of had some interesting ideas. What, what did you think of that? Just ask your kids and see if they. You're teaching some of them that. to be discerning. Yeah, you even shared that a little bit uh, with your daughter years ago. How she she caught on <laughs> yeah, to something. She caught into something before I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think a big one is just not turning our brains off, but all at the same time not being afraid to engage with the culture when it's appropriate, right? Yeah. Because I think there are some things we can do uh, that together as a family mm. and, and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And uh, just making sure where we're getting our wisdom. Um, I'm going to be sharing in a few weeks uh, preaching, come across this really uh, interesting um, kind of picture of this wisdom pyramid. And where do we get wisdom from our uh, from the world today? And where should we be finding that? And so kind of at that base level, obviously, is scripture. Like we, we find wisdom uh, from scripture. After that comes um, the, the church itself. Mm-hmm. And um, we Because we the that, church is called the pillar of church. Right. We, we find that community with other believers and from the preaching of scripture. And then uh, as it goes on up, you have things like nature and creation. Like we should be spending time like in God's creation. But then there's other things that are kind of more... Uh, maybe for lack of a better term, kind of those gray areas where maybe there's entertainment and things in the arts and culture where you can find some good things and then some bad things. And then at the top, you have things like the internet and social media, which can be used for good, but most of the time yeah, they're not. Yeah. And so we need to make sure where we're getting um, a, a good diet of, of wisdom and discernment but that foundation has to be scripture. I think I've seen that graphic. Yeah. It's very helpful yes. because the, at the top, it's so small. It's small. But when it sometimes comes to we media. have that turned around. Exactly. People are like, hey, I watched this video. And I'm like, well, where did you find it? Oh, on the internet. Yep. You know, and, that, and the assumption is it's true. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you have to 
think that through, like using your mind. Yeah, and, so I think people got that flipped. And so I'm going to use that as an illustration and kind of good. work through that and show that good. kind of visually speaking. So there's different things like that. But obviously being a scripture, uh, everything you hear, everything you see, um, you kind of weigh that against scripture. You know, yeah. you, you make sure um, uh, that you're in God's word, you're reading it constantly, and you're not just taking in things from the culture without having that discerning mind. I think one of the things that, that we've talked about as a team, <coughs> excuse me, is how, how do we respond when we hear error yeah. in the culture mm-hmm. or or from another church even, yeah. right? And and we spend a lot of time talking about that because we, we always want to be respectful, but we never want to compromise truth, hmm. right? We want to be able to say that isn't right, that is wrong. Um, but sometimes we don't have all the information, yeah. right? So it's, I've, I've always wrestled with that as a pastor, but, um, but I think the older I get, I see the importance of saying that's something to avoid, right? And yes. helping our people right. say uh, one reference. I only said it in one sermon and, and not, not too many people are reading this book anymore because it's not as popular. But I remember when the book, The Shack came out mm-hmm. and people were, Christians were reading it and they were coming away thinking, wow, this, now I understand the Trinity. And I'm like, no, <laughs> there was so much error. There's a lot there. of bad analogies out there about the Trinity. Yeah. Know? But I mean, there was, there <laughs> yeah. were some really bad things in that book. Yeah. And, and I read it carefully. I used a highlighter and then I decided to spend about 20 minutes mm-hmm. in a sermon, um, just helping our people see kind of what you're talking about, helping People see what the error is here, teaching some discernment, and don't just jump aboard because it's popular, sure. right? Yeah. And or I mentioned this weekend a, a popular podcaster or a popular pastor. Um, we we just have to be very careful. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a lot of false teaching, yeah. unfortunately, today. Yeah. But um, nothing has changed in 2,000 years. <laughs> right, exactly. Paul and Peter they were warning against it uh, yeah. in Scripture, as we see. And um, there are things that people are still, um, they're, they're finding teachers the, the, to uh, basically speak to their, their itching ears, right? Yeah, right. And uh, telling people what they, they want to hear. But a lot of that is unfortunately based on people's feelings and emotions and uh, not necessarily grounded in, in truth. What strikes me about that Second Timothy 4 passage, Kyle, is they not only have itching ears, but they accumulate mm-hmm. for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Like, yeah. I want somebody to tell me that what I'm doing and how I'm living is okay, yeah. right? Whether that's sexuality, yeah. uh, an issue of sexuality or... Um, or or anything, we you can almost always find somebody who's going to agree with you. Yeah, and and that that's the danger. And it says to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So I am so grateful for all the pastors who served before us and the pastors we get to serve with now. We're all committed to communicate the truth of the Bible, to speak it unflinchingly uncompromising with no compromise Mm -hmm. but to make sure we're being compassionate towards sinners so convictional about sin compassionate toward sinners jesus did that so well didn't he like Mm -hmm. truth and grace yep the woman caught in adultery like hey is there anyone else is there anyone here to condemn you neither do i condemn you condemn you grace but then he said go and sin no more 
yeah. truth. Yeah. And and so we want to be committed to that. We don't want to clobber sinners, nor do we want to cave and, and compromise. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, often people like to say, well, Jesus accepted everyone, right? And so they would, they, they, they throw that out there like yeah. that that is just like some sort of truth of who Jesus was. But Jesus, obviously, like you said, he called them to something higher. He higher called them to repentance. Repentance yeah. and a higher standard. Or the, the rich young ruler. Right. <laughs> he allowed him to, to walk away when yeah. he wasn't willing to give up his yeah. riches or the thing that was the most important thing uh, to him. And so... Um, we, yeah, we have to be careful with that when that messaging is just thrown out there because that um, definitely implies that, oh, Jesus just accepts you as you are and you don't have to do anything differently. Yeah. You don't have to change. Yeah. One of the analogies that's out there now is um, you know, one, one popular pastor said, Jesus draws circles mm-hmm. and everything and that everyone's welcome inside the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it, he, he did do that, right? He right. had... But even within that, he, he also was very clear. He had some lines. He drew yeah. lines as well. Yeah. Right at the beginning, the first message in the Gospels, repent yeah. for the kingdom of heaven is ha- at hand. And he ate with sinners. Yeah. So there it goes again, right? Truth yep. and grace, yeah. compassion. You, got, you have to have both. Um, and, uh, and I'm just so thankful that the Bible calls us to be truth tellers. And mm-hmm. um, as, as two of Edgewood's um, equippers, as pastors, we, we want to help our people uh, understand what's true and have the courage to live by God's truth right. because that's ultimately what frees us. Yeah. Yeah. And one more question I want to look at before we, we yeah. move on is, um, you know, passing on our faith, but the truths of Scripture to the next generation, to our children, to our to our grandchildren, and I love Third John one four, when he says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth." And obviously, he's speaking about his spiritual children there. But we all want to apply that to our own lives and our our children, and yeah. and perhaps grandchildren. So, how do we, as um, as parents, as grandparents, as, as spiritual leaders in people's lives, what is the best way to pass path on or pass on truth? Uh, to the next generation, Brian. Yeah, what would you say were some things that come to mind for you? Mm, that is so good. And and by God's grace, our, our girls are walking in the mm-hmm. truth and their husbands, yeah. and we pray that our grandkids do as well. It, it's all by God's grace, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I, I think, first of all, it's, it's modeling uh, what's mm-hmm. true. It's helping them own their faith for themselves yeah. as they're raised. It's, um, I remember conversations with our daughters about telling the truth, yeah. you know, and that's hard yeah. when kids are little because yeah. they don't want to make eye contact, right? But y- you have to, you have to hold them uh, to truth, um, modeling it, um, providing an environment where our family is is swimming in scripture. I mm. think a, a big help for us growing as the girls were growing up was like Adventures in Odyssey, yeah. right? And <laughs> yeah. focus on the family theater, you know, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, yeah. acted out yeah. in the car. And and our girls still talk about that. Some yeah. of our girls who are, are, you know, they're all adults now, still reference Adventures in Odyssey. And yeah. sometimes <laughs> when they're getting ready, they play an episode, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so I think I think for parents it's it's more than just taking them to church, right. but it is taking them to church. Yeah. It's developing the habit so our children are like, 
ah, this is important to mom and dad. They're both getting up. They're coming to church. They're saying this is important. And and this is a topic for a whole nother podcast, but but there's so many times in families today where church is not a priority mm, in gathering yeah. with God's people. And that ends up communicating to children that other things are more important uh, than church. So those are some things that yeah, come to mind. I think that's and I great. see you living that out with your with your kids right now. Yeah, we try to do that as, as best we can. And uh, like you said, modeling it and um, trying as best we can to read with our kids before bed every night, whether that's scripture or going over the, you know, the catechisms that, um, that we have, reading um, some biblical type story for, for kids. We try to do that. We pray with them. And we teach them to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, we teach them to do these things. If you think about Jesus and his disciples, uh, Jesus, when it first started their ministry, he, he had his disciples just watching, right? Yeah. They were kind of watching, and eventually he has them start doing some things. Yeah. And then <laughs> they were doing a lot more things. And then when he died and rose again, he left them. He left it in their hands. And so and he gave his spirit. He, he yeah. taught them what to do. And so that's what we want to do with our kids. We, we teach them and then we show them how to do it. And then eventually they're going to be on their own. And, and we pray that they will continue that yeah. uh, and, the, and the truth. Yeah, it really is that Deuteronomy 6 principle, right, is uh, it's the normal rhythms of life. So when Liesl's in the van with the kids, Mm -hmm. right, and when you're on trips and it's it's in the morning, it's walking, it's in the minivan, it's mealtime, it's going to bed. I guess the word that comes to me is intentional. Yeah. Uh, We're called to be intentionally involved in saturating our kids with the scripture. Yeah. And, and the truth of the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what goes along with that is our topic for uh, this weekend, and your identity is essential. And Brian, I would say identity, question of who am I, that is the question right now in our world, in our culture today. That's what people are wrestling with. That's what they're trying to figure out and who they are. Yeah. And they're looking in, unfortunately, a lot of the wrong places. And if they would simply <clears throat> look the fact that Right in the beginning of Scripture, they are told that they are people made in God's yeah, image. Yeah, that's our identity. Right. We're image bearers. Right. But if you don't start with that, then you're going to find your identity from looking within, from what the culture tells you, and all any any such things. And so, Right, then you uh, start creating your own identity, right? right? Whether that's right. a different gender or this is who I am or uh, this is my fursona, right? Or, yeah. You know, it's all, uh, yeah, many today seem obsessed with identity. I right. think you're right. I think it is the topic from personality tests to even the Enneagram inventories. Like people say, I'm a six. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you're more than that, right? <laughs> right? Come on. Right, right. Uh, but it seems like everyone is searching for something to tell them who they are. Yeah and where they belong. And this week I did a Google search of the phrase, what do you identify as? Okay. And I I thought the number would be high, but I had no idea how high it was. I was shocked. 8.6 billion hits, billion with a B. So identity is quite powerful because it relates to who we are and why we're here. It's how we define ourselves. It clarifies our purpose in life. And contrary to our culture's confusion, identity is not self-declared or self-developed. It's given to us by our maker and by our redeemer. And and if I could just add, not only are we made in the image of God, that's our identity. We also have a 
sin problem. That's part of who we are too. And we need to have that taken care of. That's why Jesus uh, came. And then when, when we submit and surrender to Christ, now we become someone we never were before. So if you want to become someone you never have been before, fall on your knees and receive Jesus Christ because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're now new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. And I'm going to end the message this weekend with this beautiful statement of who we are in Christ. Mm, Who are we? That's the question we're asking. And, you know, we've been adopted. We've been redeemed. We're sanctified. There's so many many more things that that if Christians can really get a hold of that, then we're not going to be looking for our identity in a relationship, our identity in work, right? right? Our identity in some sexual sin or like, oh, I think I'm a different gender. Maybe that will make me happy. No, figure out who God has made you to be. Figure out your identity that God has decided it is. And then if you don't know Jesus yet, boy, turn, repent, receive him, and you're going to have an identity that, that will just transform your life. That's great, Brian. Well, we're looking forward to that this weekend. You don't want to miss out. It's going to be a really good topic and important And uh, so we'll definitely be back here next week discussing that. Our groups will be talking about it. Uh, This whole series has just been wonderful, Brian. It's been immersive, and I'm just hearing lots of good feedback from people just talking about how good it is to continue these conversations of what's been preached, uh, but then also what we're talking about here on the podcast and, and everything else. You got anything else to share with us? Yeah, I would say related to that, I talked to someone recently, and with tears in his eyes, he, he was holding his Bible. He said, I never really knew that this was the truth. Mm. And now I know that you just see it. I think the last thing I would say, um, if, if you're a parent and if you pass this around, I, I just want to give you a heads up that parts of the sermon this weekend may not be appropriate for younger children. If your child's not ready to hear about sexuality and gender matters, uh, it might be good to step out um, during that part of the service and then you could engage in the family room or engage later online. Having said that, there's some children that are old enough and probably do need to hear it because they're probably not hearing it elsewhere. They're, I'm sure they're hearing it from their parents. But uh, So I think it would be helpful, but I don't want any parent to go, uh-oh, I, my child wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> well, thanks for the heads up. And yep. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the 4G Podcast. If you do us a favor and leave, leave us a rating and review, that'll help people as they search uh, to, to find this podcast and get the word out there. But uh, thanks, and we will see you next time.